Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, you're listening to God's Whole Story. This is Chelsea, and I'm here today with Chris and Virgil again, and we are in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. We got another book. (laughs) Um, Jeremiah, some of the bad things that we've been talking about that are going to happen to Jeremiah for like the past few weeks, we're like, Jeremiah is going to get it soon, are happening. (laughs) He's thrown in prison. um, Then he's taken out of the prison. Then he's thrown in a worse prison, (laughs) which is a cistern which um, I keep calling a slime pit, but Chris, you keep calling it a sewer, which is probably right. <laughs> but either way. Either way, it's not pleasant. This is not good. <laughs> he doesn't want to be in a pit of slime or sewer. <laughs> um, but what I thought was interesting is uh, the shout out that the Ethiopian gets in this. Um, again, God's heart for the people of the nations. There's This is someone who I think I would call him a father, follower of God because mm-hmm. of how he stands up for Jeremiah and rescues him. Um, it was an Ethiopian, not even a Jew. So hey, that was interesting. Let's hear for the Africans. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we head Jeremiah into... gets all these rewards for a job well done, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Prison, prison. A, f- a fresh loaf of bread sister. every day. How could he there complain? You go. It's like, I'll give you a better prison. <laughs> oh, man. And then we go into Ezekiel, which can be a little crazy, but luckily we have Pastor Chris Laswell with us. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. It's still crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Ezekiel is, I, I love this book. There's so many amazing things going on. And uh, Ezekiel starts and he gets a vision. And we need to remember that it's a vision because he's trying to describe what he saw. So if some of the things seem a little bizarre, it's because they were. <laughs> he saw some really bizarre things. Many of the images that he sees, whenever you see these images appear in scripture, it's connected to the presence of God. Uh, and as you see here in chapter one, he he is hearing someone speak to him who looks like a son of man, who's described the way that God is often described. And so basically, uh, this short answer of what is this crazy vision, Ezekiel seeing that God's presence is on the move. And if you think about the the idea of what's happening, Israel has just been taken captive. And probably one of the questions they're thinking about is the temple's been destroyed. We're out of our city. Has God abandoned us? And Ezekiel starts with this picture of the presence of God. And it's even described as a throne with all these wheels. The Ezekiel wheels get lots of press. (laughs) Uh, We actually ran a cafe in one of my mission centers that we made an ice cream sandwich called Ezekiel wheels. Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) Has nothing to do with this, but... Oh, you weren't here for the podcast episode when Ryan said that um, a cup of God's righteous anger would make a good coffee brew. <laughs> I think I, I did. I you listened to that one, at least. So we're not talking about ice cream sandwiches here. But I think what we do have is we have a picture of the presence of God, and it's mobile. It's on the move. It says it can move in any direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's really what's happening is God's people have moved. And this is an encouragement to them that his presence has not abandoned them, but it's actually going with them to Babylon. And this... Ezekiel's given his call that he's going to be giving the messages to the people. He is told they're not really going to listen. How's that for, you know, encouragement as you're sent out on your mission? Uh, go be faithful. No one's ever going to listen, but go anyway. Um, but yet he was. He went and it, it places him among the exiles. And so this book starts off that God is with his people. He's still walking with them. He's still speaking to them. He has not abandoned them. 
and his presence is on the move. This time it's going with his people to Babylon. So crazy vision, but a very normal message. God is with his people. I have a question to interrupt you with. <laughs> um, so on the scroll is words of sorrow. It says funeral songs, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Ezekiel eats it, it tastes sweet as honey. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, the scroll would probably be an image that they would be familiar with of, you know, uh, books were written on scrolls in this day. So like even some of the the earlier prophets would be on scrolls. Uh, so, so this would be messages. It'd be communication. It would be history. So there, there's messages that are coming and Ezekiel's being given messages that he's going to give. And he, this picture of eating it is like, he's owning this message. Mm. He's making it a part of him. And at this point it, it's, it's, is sweet. Uh, you know, Revelation has a similar picture where it's bitter. Um, messages of judgment are bitter, but I think one of the things, especially for the exiles, is that we need to remember there are messages that, if they're faithful and stuff, they're coming back. Mm. Uh, so there is sweetness at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of these things, we you, uh, it's good to look big picture at the prophets. Like, Don't try to analyze every little detail, but what's the big picture yeah. of what's being communicated here? God's with his people, uh, and he's already promised he's going to bring them back. Um, so yeah, Virgil, you had some good observations for the end of this passage. What were some of the things that you noticed? Yeah. I love how it's very real in the way that it portrays like Ezekiel in the moment and right at the end of today's reading, right at, um, verses 14 and 15 in chapter three, it talks about how, um, he, he felt bitter and turmoil and then also felt overwhelmed, but the Lord's hand was, was strong and, and I think it's easy to look at it. For me, I was like, oh, wow, he's super overwhelmed because of this revelation from the Lord, which is awesome. But like, of course, he's overwhelmed. And I think for me, I'm like, oh, well, the prophets just were obedient to the Lord all the time <laughs> and just did everything that the Lord said. And you almost look at them as like robots. <laughs> and in this moment, I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I guess he had this crazy revelation with the Lord and he's overwhelmed and the Lord's asking him to do a hard task. So, of course, He's like struggling, but yet the Lord was with him. It'd be really weird and totally unrelated if Ezekiel was like, yes, (laughs) no one's going to listen. Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Or or Jeremiah's like, I love cisterns. You know, I love sewage. (laughs) Yep. And and back to Jeremiah too, even just his, um, the other thing that stood out to me is the way that he still honored the king Mm. in the moment when he's serving this hard king that's kind of two-faced he's mm-hmm. obviously pressured by the officials around him to do one thing and then he's like well i'll be nice to jeremiah here but then he you know he ends up going back into prison all this stuff um and yet he's still honest and tells him the truth even though he might he might be killed for it yeah yeah and you can kind of i was kind of reading this and sensing jeremiah's like he must be nearing the end of his ministry where he's just kind of like cynical. He's like, look, <laughs> no matter what I say, you're going to be mad at me. <laughs> no, really. I want to hear this time. <laughs> I want to hear. And he's like, if you repeat this, you're going to die. And Jeremiah's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. Been there. Heard that before. Like, oh, let's just say it anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I, I think that kind of happens even as you get older though too, right? Everybody mm-hmm. talks about losing your filter as you get older. Like, yep. you yeah. Know, you just, you're like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to say what I really think. So, I don't so know. you're saying it gets worse as we get older. <laughs> We'll find out. <laughs> Stay tuned for the podcast in 15 years. Yeah. And see. I was oh, like, we'll shoot. We'll back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
pretty exciting stuff actually. I'm I the thing with Ezekiel, we haven't really gotten into these crazy visions yet um, in our Bible reading. Um, and people can read crazy things mm-hmm. into them. So it's important to look at these passages in their context, what it means, what it would have meant to the people right then, right there. Um, and like what you had to say about the glory of the Lord is so, I mean, it would have been hopefully so uh, important to these people to know, oh, like he's not left us just because we left Jerusalem. God's city doesn't mean mm. he's left us. Um, pretty cool. Guys, thanks so much for listening today to God's Whole Story, and we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Jeremiah 37, beginning in verse 11. When the Babylonian army left Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's approaching army, Jeremiah started to leave the city on his way to the territory of Benjamin to claim his share of the property among his relatives there. But as he was walking through the Benjamin gate, a sentry arrested him and said, you are defecting to the Babylonians. The sentry making the arrest was Arajah, son of Shelemiah, grandson of Hananiah. That's not true, Jeremiah protested. I had no intention of doing any such thing. But Arajah wouldn't listen. He took Jeremiah before the officials. They were furious with Jeremiah and had him flogged and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan, the secretary. Jonathan's house had been converted into a prison. Jeremiah was put in a dungeon cell where he remained for many days. Later, King Zedekiah secretly requested that Jeremiah come to the palace where the king asked him, Do you have any messages from the Lord? Yes, I do, said Jeremiah. You will be defeated by the king of Babylon. Then Jeremiah asked the king, What crime have I committed? What have I done against you, your attendants, or the people that I should be imprisoned like this? Where are your prophets now who told you the king of Babylon would not attack you or this land? Listen, my lord the king, I beg you, don't send me back to the dungeon in the house of Jonathan the secretary, for I will die there. So King Zedekiah commanded that Jeremiah not be returned to the dungeon, and said he was imprisoned in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace. The king also commanded that Jeremiah be given a loaf of fresh bread every day as long as there was any left in the city. So Jeremiah was put in the palace prison. Now Shephatiah, son of Matan, Gedaliah, son of Pashur, Jehakul, son of Shalamiah, and Pashur, son of Malkajah, heard what Jeremiah had been telling the people. He had been saying, this is what the Lord says. Everyone who stays in Jerusalem will die from war, famine, or disease, but those who surrender to Babylonians will live. Their reward will be life. They will live. The Lord also says the city of Jerusalem will certainly be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon who will capture it. So these officials went to the king and said, Sir, this man must die. That kind of talk will undermine the morale of the few fighting men we have left, as well as that of all the people. This man is a traitor. King Zedekiah agreed. All right, he said, do as you like. I can't stop you. So the officials took Jeremiah from his cell and lowered him by ropes into an empty cistern in the prison yard. It belonged to Malkajah, a member of the royal family. There was no water in the cistern, but there was a thick layer of mud at the bottom, and Jeremiah sank down into it. But Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, an important court official, heard that Jeremiah was in the cistern. At that time, the king was holding court at the Benjamin Gate, so Abed-Melech rushed from the palace to speak with him. My lord, the king, he said, these men have done a very evil thing in putting Jeremiah and the, the prophet into the cistern. He will soon die of hunger, for almost all the bread in the city is gone. So the king told Abed-Melech, take 30 of my men with you and pull Jeremiah out of the cistern before he dies. So Abed-Melech took the men with him and went to a room in the palace beneath the treasury, where he found some old rags and discarded clothing. He carried these to the cistern and lowered them to Jeremiah on a rope. Abed-Melech called down to Jeremiah, put these rags under your armpits to protect you from the ropes. Then when Jeremiah was ready, they pulled him out. So Jeremiah was returned to the courtyard of the guard, the palace prison where he remained. 
One day, King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah and had him brought to the third entrance of the Lord's temple. I want to ask you something, the king said, and don't try to hide the truth. Jeremiah said, if I tell you the truth, you will kill me. And if I give you advice, you won't listen to me anyway. So King Zedekiah secretly promised him, as surely as the Lord our creator lives, I will not kill you or hand you over to the men who want you dead. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, if you surrender to the Babylonian officers, you and your family will live and the city will not be burned down. But if you refuse to surrender, you will not escape. The city will be handed over to the Babylonians and they will burn it to the ground. But I'm afraid to surrender, said the king, for the Babylonians may hand me over to the Judeans who have defected to them. And who knows what they will do to me? Jeremiah replied, you won't be handed over to them if you choose to obey the Lord. Your life will be spared and all will go well for you. But if you refuse to surrender, this is what the Lord has revealed to me. All the women left in your palace will be brought out and given to the officers of the Babylonian army. Then the women will taunt you, saying, what fine friends you have. They have betrayed and misled you. When your feet sank in the mud, they left you to your fate. All your wives and children will be led out to the Babylonians, and you will not escape. You will be seized by the king of Babylon, and the city will be burned down. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, Don't tell anyone you told me this, or you will die. My officials may hear that I spoke to you, and they may say, Tell us what you and the king were talking about. If you don't tell us, we will kill you. If this happens, just tell them you begged me not to send you back to Jonathan's dungeon, for fear you would die there. Sure enough, it wasn't long before the king's officials came to Jeremiah and asked him why the king had called for him. But Jeremiah followed the king's instructions, and they left without finding out the truth. No one had overheard the conversation between Jeremiah and the king, and Jeremiah remained a prisoner in the courtyard of the guard until the day Jerusalem was captured. Ezekiel chapter 1. On July 31st of my 30th year, while I was with the Judean exiles besides the Kibar River in Babylon, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. This happened during the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity. The Lord gave this message to Ezekiel, son of Buzi, a priest beside the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians, and he felt the hand of the Lord take hold of him. As I looked, I saw a great storm coming from the north, driving before it a huge cloud that flashed with lightning and shone with brilliant light. There was fire inside the cloud, and in the middle of the fire glowed something like a gleaming amber. From the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human, except that each had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, and their feet had hooves like those of a calf and shone like burnished bronze. Under each of the four wings I could see human hands, so each of the four beings had four faces and four wings. The wings of the living, of each living being touched the wings of the beings beside it. Each one moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. Each had a human face in the front, in the face of a lion on the right side, in the face of an ox on the left side, in the face of an eagle at the back. Each had two pairs of outstretched wings. One pair stretched out to touch the wings of the living being on either side of it, and the other pair covered its body. They went in whatever direction the spirit chose, and they moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. The living beings looked like bright coals of fire or brilliant torches, and lightning seemed to flash back and forth among them and the living beings darted to and fro like flashes of lightning. As I looked at these beings, I saw four wheels touching the ground beside them, one wheel belonging to each. The wheels sparked as if made of barrel. All four wheels looked alike and were made the same. Each wheel had a second wheel turning crosswise within it. The beings could move in any of the four directions they faced without turning as they moved. The rims of the four wheels were tall and frightening, and they were covered with eyes all around them. When the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them. When they flew upward, the wheels also went up too. The spirit of the living beings was in the wheels, so wherever the spirit went, the wheels and the living beings also went. When the beings moved, the wheels moved. When the beings stopped, the wheels stopped. When the beings flew upward, 
that the wheels rose up, for the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. Spread out above them was a surface like a sky, glittering like crystal. Beneath the surface of the wings of each living being stretched out to touch the other's wings, and each had two wings covering its body. As they flew, their wings sounded to me like waves crashing against the shore, like the voice of the Almighty, or like the shouting of a mighty army. When they stopped, they let down their wings, and they stood with wings lowered. A voice spoke from beyond the crystal surface above them. Above this surface was something that looked like a throne, made of blue, Lapis Luzi, and on this throne, high above, was a figure whose appearance resembled a man. From what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like a gleaming amber, flickering like a fire, and from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame, shining with splendor. All around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow, shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. When I saw it, I fell down on the ground, and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. Stand up, son of man, said the voice, I want to speak with you. The Spirit came into me as he spoke, and he set me on my feet. I listened carefully to his words. Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are stubborn and hard-hearted people. But I am sending you to say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, for, for remember, they are rebels, at least they will know that they have had a prophet among them. Son of man, do not fear them or their words. Do not be afraid even of their threats that surround you like nettles and briars and stinging scorpions. Do not be dismayed by their dark scowls, even though they are rebels. You must give them my messages, whether they listen or not, but they won't listen, for they are completely rebellious. Son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not join them in their rebellion. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked, and I saw a hand reaching out to me. It held a scroll, which he unrolled, and I saw that both sides were covered with funeral songs, words of sorrow, and pronouncements of doom. The voice said to me, Son of man, eat what I am giving you. Eat this scroll. Then go and give its message to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me the scroll. Fill your stomach with this, he said, and when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said, Son of man, go to the people of Israel and give them my messages. I am not sending you to a foreign people whose language you cannot understand. No, I am not sending you to people with strange and difficult speech. If I did, they would listen. But the people of Israel won't listen to you any more than they will listen to me. For the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. But look, I have made you as obstinate and hard-hearted as they are. I have made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock. So do not be afraid of them or fear their angry looks, even though they are rebels." Then he added, Son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Then go to your people in exile and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Do, do this, whether they listen or to you or not. Then the spirit lifted me up, and I heard a loud rumbling sound behind me. May the glory of the Lord be praised in his place. It was the sound of the wings of the living beings as they brushed up against each other and the rumbling of their wheels beneath them. The spirit lifted me up and took me away. I went in bitterness and turmoil, but the Lord's hold on me was strong. Then I came to the colony of the Jadian exiles in Tel Aviv, besides the Kibar River. I was overwhelmed and sat among them for seven days.
Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.